0: Listening to the Smoke Signals Podcast, hosted by Jake Dungan and other IBI contributors. We're talking tribe. Well, good day, good afternoon, and good evening. Wherever and whenever you happen to be tuning in, we are glad to have you aboard. I'm Jake Dunganson, your contributor for Indians Baseball Insider, wishing you all a happy belated 4th of July and, well, I guess a happy Independence Day weekend. This could be considered a long holiday weekend. Hope everybody had a safe and happy uh, 4th and enjoyed it with family, friends, loved ones, and really got to take in, even though it was hot, but otherwise uh, beautiful weather. It was a great time. You know, I went to concert on Wednesday night in downtown Akron, enjoyed the Ribfest, uh, spent all of yesterday pretty much lounging in a pool, had a, had a hamburger, and it was very nice uh, to relax a little bit and unwind and take in some uh, good Indians baseball. They've been playing really well since that uh, horrible Oriole series. And uh, joining me as always to talk about everything Indians this week is... Uh, IBI uh, editor in chief Justin Lada. Justin, how was your fourth?
1: It was pretty good. Pretty, uh, pretty quiet for the most part. But it's good to see the Indians uh, play a good game, pull away from the Royals. I got to check that out because I had stuff going on during the day, and then the rain delay pushed it back a little bit later. So I ended up being able to see the whole game, which I was uh, not expecting. So that was good, and it was good to see them get a sweep of Kansas City because that. That series in, in Baltimore was just really frustrating, so it's good to see them bounce back really quickly and not let that push them into a tailspin.
0: Yeah, and uh, for those of you who did not follow that series, and or maybe are just trying to block it from your memory, uh, the Indians lost two of three to the Orioles, losing the first two games uh, with on identical thirteen and nothing blowout scores. Um, Thus, the Orioles became the first team in MLB history to shut out the same opponent on back-to-back games while scoring at least 13 runs. So, not falling on the right side of history for the Indians there. But, uh, fortunately, they did not lose much, if any, ground on the Twins during that debacle. And they came back and won the last game in Baltimore and then uh, swept the Royals in three games. And, hey, look at the standings now. The Indians are six games back of the Twins who are starting to... Look a little more shaky and heading into the break, and all of a sudden that uh that series heading out of the all star break along with the other uh yeah you know, all the other games between the Indians and twins coming in the second half loom a lot larger and it's gonna be interesting to see how they play coming out of the break as it will probably have a lot of bearing on the trade deadline and what both teams do and you know, it was great to see Mike Clevenger bounce back from his uh, previous start with six shutout innings on Wednesday in Kansas City, he s- struck out nine, he only allowed, uh, he only went tw- inning in two-thirds in Baltimore, was part of that first uh, 13-run debacle, allowed seven of those runs, um, but other than that, though, it was overall a pretty good week for the Indians, as they've now won four in a row, and uh, they're Going into an off day on Friday as we record this. And then they'll have two in Cincinnati before come, heading into the break in Cleveland. And, uh, and then those that big series against the Twins after the break will be uh, looming pretty large. So uh, Indians are finishing off the break strong in there. Uh, given where they were, but at most, what were they like, 11, 11 and a half games out? Now they are six games out. They're in about as good a position as they could be right now given where they were just a few weeks ago.
1: Yeah, they were 11 out as of exactly a month ago from yesterday. So that's a really good sign. They made it four games in the span of a month with a lot to play. Uh, like you said, the Twins are not hitting the skids here, but they're <clears throat> they're running into some issues, and then they got some some pitching has been not as good lately. The, uh, they've had some injuries, so it was it was bound to happen. They were due for a little bit of aggression. I don't think they've quite hit the run of people thought they were going to hit. They may not hit it, but, um, yeah, that series after the break, I I know we keep saying, like, all these checkpoints they're going to hit and when it's going to determine the fate of the season, but hard to imagine that that, uh, that series does not have some sort of impact on the trading deadline just because, at the, at the worst, you know, they're going to be out like six 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 eight games probably going into that series. You know, you hope they pick up a few more. Before the break, and they hope they don't fall too much more. But it's, either way, they're going to be within striking distance. They can take two or three in that series. You know that's that's pretty big.
0: Yeah, and um, it was looking pretty grim though at the end of what was it? At the end of May, uh, when they were falling behind the early part of June, and then they played really well in June. They carried that over into July so far, and. I don't know. I, I still am not certain what they're going to do with the deadline. There's a lot of people I saw on Twitter this morning that, you know, they're all back on the go-all-in and go-all-out for a, trying to compete for a World Series. You know, six games out of the division. They're a game up on the second wild-card spot. They're a game behind the first wild-card spot. Um, you know, we were kind of both of the same mind uh, a couple weeks ago when we discussed this, that this was... You know, not the year to go all in if uh, they weren't going to contend for a division at the time. It looked pretty, chances looked pretty remote that they were going to be able to catch the Twins. And, you know, they still have a, a uphill battle at six games out, so we'll see. But I think we both were in agreement that... You know, you don't go all in for a wild-card spot, especially, you know, with all the young players they have coming up and they're trying to build for the future. Going in for a one-game playoff just it doesn't make a lot of sense with the position the Indians are in right now.
1: Yeah, it's hard to see what's really out there. I mean, the trade, the trade market really hasn't heated up yet, which is surprising. Like, we haven't seen a ton of rumors yet. You know, it would seem like who's available because the fannings are still so odd, so... It just feels like we haven't gotten an idea. So even if they were going to buy, you know, what are they going to go after, I guess, is my question. We talked about this a few weeks ago. If they're going to consistently give playing time to Luplo and Naquin and, and Mercado and Jake Bowers and now Bobby Bradley, it's like, where where do you find room to upgrade the lineup, which is clearly a need if they really wanted to try to make a run? They need to upgrade the lineup somewhere. And I guess you could, try, you could send Bradley back to uh, AAA, I, it's just hard for me to, to wonder what they're going to do because we we feel like they're probably wanting to play these young guys. That's what they, it seems like they want to do. So where do they upgrade? And the, the bullpen can use an upgrade too. But yeah, I agree. I think if do, if it doesn't look like they're going to have a shot at running down the Twins, I don't see. I don't see the benefit of making a strong, making a big run, trading away. You know, serious future contributors like like you can't trade Daniel Johnson. I'm sorry, you just can't. Um, you know, may I don't know. I, I don't. I have reservations about trading Tyler Freeman. I also don't know what his trade value is at the moment either. I don't think. I think he's a too far away to really have a ton of trade value. So, what are you going to do? You're going to trade Valera? Are you going to trade McKenzie or Jones? I don't think they're trading Jones. I don't think they're trading McKenzie. And I, I mean, I don't know who wants to touch McKenzie right now because. He won't be back until the end of the month. At this point,
0: yeah, and uh, well, just to play that devil's advocate, would you consider trading in George Valer, whose value is on the rise, and even though he's still a little bit ways away, or even an Ethan Hankins
1: at this point? What would you uh, What would you say to that? I would not, just because I think, hey, I don't think their trade values are really as established as, as you would think, just because of their name. I know guys go and scout at the at the the complex levels down in Arizona and, you know, a little bit more even so at um, the short season. But I think their values aren't where they would be in a couple of years. I don't. I mean, they're not... You wouldn't be trading with the top value right now. I think they have room to grow. I guess things could get worse, but, you know, they don't have the kind of value you would associate with their name on the trade market just because of where they sit uh, on the Indians. Uh, prospect list because of their name, but they don't really have I guess the, the full trade value you would expect. So I don't know if you're going to get what you would like out of them, I guess is my point. So no, I would not consider trading either of them right now.
0: Okay, uh, let's go with the flip side of the trade discussion then. Are you still on the uh, deal Trevor Bauer or deal Brad Hand train as we have uh, discussed a few weeks ago? You know, we have established that the Indians are clearly going in on trying to build for the future and trying to remain competitive. You know, as we always mentioned the uh, Tampa Bay Rays e- example from uh, a couple years ago. But uh, are we still in on that bandwagon? If even if the Indians are more competitive in the uh, playoff race as they seem to be right now, would you still trade one or both of those guys?
1: I'm right now. I'm more. I know people, a lot of people won't agree with this, but if, if anybody. I'm still more pro trade Brad Hand just because we know what the his usage rate is and the the way relievers burn out quickly from year to year with with overuse. You know, he's pitched a lot this year, um, so it, it just concerns me that you would go into next year hoping that he's going to be another all star, have another all star year. I don't know. I would I would rather cash in on his value now just because. It's going to be at the highest, and I think you can get enough back, and you can you can figure out your bullpen next year a little easier with some of the internal options. You know, James check's going to be back, back here soon. You can trade for guys, and, you know, Kyle Nelson and uh, Nick, maybe Nick Sandman gets healthy next year. I know it's, he's ending the season on the IL, which kind of stinks, but I don't know. I, I think you can figure out the bullpen next year. I would still probably trade Bauer, but I think it really depends on what you think the situations of Kluber and Carrasco are this year. You know, it, it sounds like the end of August, <laughs> early, early September is the soonest you're going to get Kluber back, and, and nobody knows on Carrasco. You know, just trying to get him healthy, whatever's going on with him. So I think it, I think it depends on what they think they're going to get back for for those two the rest of the year. Before you can go ahead and trade Bauer, unless I don't like it, but I'm, I'm pretty much firmly, just hand for sure at this point, and Bauer maybe, which is kind of a different from where I was a month ago, just because of the, the games they've they've reduced in the standings in the in the race.
0: It's it's interesting to think about now because it's. Clearly, Brad Hand is their biggest uh, trade chip and their biggest cash-in opportunity if they wanted to build for the future, get some more major league ready talent, uh, because he is clearly the best reliever that is even close to available on the market, and it's not. He's, I mean, he might be the best reliever in all of baseball this year, uh, if, if you want to look at it that way. And the only reservation I have is if the Indians are contending this year, who do you slide in next to be the most reliable closer? I know the Indians bullpen has been pretty uh, solid this year, but beyond Brian hand, uh, who are the options in the bullpen that you would rely on in that uh, closer role? Or do you go closer by committee? How do you do that? And also, how do you figure in, you mentioned the, the James Karanczak and uh, Nick Sandlin injuries. Uh, if they were both healthy, I'd probably be whistling a different tune here, but uh, the fact that both of them are hurt and one of them is out for the year, I think kind of hurts things as well because those are the two guys you were kind of relying on to be the future leading arms uh, for the tribe moving forward. So uh, where, did, where do you stand on that um, as far as how the Indians go about uh, you putting somebody in the closer role currently in the bullpen and then you know, how – the injuries of Karen check and Stanley affect it.
1: Yeah, I, I that's kind of the tough part, I guess, and trade hand. The bullpen's been so good for the most part. They've had a, a few hicc- hiccups there, here and there. Um, they've got a lot of guys who you're, I guess sometimes you're waiting for the other shoe to drop on them just because they haven't proven at this level yet. I, I don't know. I mean, I know it, it's going to stink if they trade Brad Hand and you feel like they have a shot at this thing, and you just go ahead and trade your your bullpen anchor. I just I'm thinking, you know, next year is probably going to be a better year for them overall with the growth of some guys. And you're you know you're going to move on from Jason Kipnis' salary. Uh, you're going to move on from probably Danny Salazar's salary, at least that much money. Uh, I just think that I think some things are going to open next year, and if you do trade Bauer in the off season. That opens up a little more money, a little bit more flexibility to improve the roster. I don't know. I still think next year is next year is a better year for next year for them, but it is hard to justify trading a guy like Brad Hand when you're you're in in the race. And you know they have time to make up for it. You know, right now, it, right now it seems like yeah, that's tough. You know, if they get this if they get this deficit down to like three games or, or two games at the end of July and you know, they're on the phone with teams, maybe you should add it. Two or three games, you're definitely in the race to get back in the division. Now if they're back to like eight or nine and it's, you know, the last week of July, I think you have to consider moving them because you can't try to just hang around the wild card race. I think, like I said, if, if they're if they're in the division race, I think they should hang on to some of their guys. But if not, I think they need to make a play for next year and then revisit some of these things in the off season.
0: Yeah, I agree, and that's what that's the tough part about this because, you know, deep down we know the what the Indians' plan is, and that's the play for the future. They're trying, not that they're uh, giving up on 2019, I mean, they said themselves they believe they have the talent to still contend this year, they just haven't been able to supplement it due to their payroll constraints, or whether you believe them or not, but... Uh, at the same time, you know we know that their ultimate goal is to remain competitive beyond twenty nineteen because, you know, we got some free agents uh, looming. Uh, of course, you know the to- clock is ticking on Lindor, uh, so they they want to make sure that they stay competitive as long as uh, Lindor is around. And if you go all in on twenty nineteen, you're I, I promise you you're not going to be competitive. Uh, after this season, maybe maybe next season, but beyond that, it's, it's a big question mark if they don't st- stick with the plan that they have now and tr- hold on to their young players, try to build a new young core uh, around Lindor and Ramirez and uh, <coughs> uh, Clevenger and all the Bieber, all those guys. And so they need to stick to that plan in some capacity, even if it means not necessarily going all in as some people want the Indians to do this year, um, now that they're (coughs) playing better baseball and becoming more competitive again. Um, so, but that's something that's just going to have to play out over the next month, especially in that series against the twins. As we said, it's, uh, I think it's going to be a big one. That's going to loom large moving forward into the trade season. Um, (coughs) excuse me. So, uh, that's just something we'll have to, uh, wait and see. It's, uh, kind of been the mantra all season is wait and see what happens. Um, you know, it's had ups and downs. We've tried to pr- make predictions of where the season's going, and it's gone a different direction, or the, the Indians just remain stagnant. Who, who knows? It's uh, but this next month, I think, is going to be a, a big one for the Indians as far as where they're going in 2019. So we'll certainly uh certainly see what happens and how the trade market develops. But uh, I wanted to move into some all-star discussion though, because uh, as we all know, what we had. Carlos Santana named the uh, starting first baseman for the American League. And then also uh, Francisco Lindor was named a reserve. And Brad Hand, uh, one of the relievers. So pretty much everybody we expected uh, made the all-star team for the Indians this year. Um, we might say that Francisco Lindor deserved more consideration for the starting role. In fact, I think he was a little miffed about it as well, that he didn't get more consideration. Um, you know, you could say, like, Carlos Correa was... Him being hurt didn't earn him as much consideration as he got, um, but at the same time, you know, guys like Labor Torres and uh, Jorge Polanco—they, if you look at the numbers, they have comparable, if not better, numbers than Lindor this year. So, not saying they didn't deserve consideration, but I think Lindor definitely deserved to be in the top three uh, and for, the, for that final vote. So, uh, any uh, thoughts on the uh, three All Stars for the Indians?
1: Yeah, I think. I don't know. I, yeah, Lindor should have gotten more consideration. I know he missed the month, but Carlos Correa has been out, and Gleyber Torres, number uh, or Torres, whatever, how you pronounce it, doesn't matter. Um, he's had a lot of success against the Orioles. Like, his numbers are really big splits, have big splits against the rest of the league and just the Orioles. Uh, I know the Indians since already runs against the Orioles last weekend or they scored two, but I think that takes into consideration and I know he shouldn't just start the game because it's just the Indians are the home team, but I think he should have gotten more consideration. And uh, the other two guys that was expected, I'm really excited to see Carlos Santana in the home run derby, honestly. And uh, I think Perez should have been considered if they were going to take three catchers. I would like to think that they would have taken Perez, but I, you know, it's hard to say what they're going to do.
0: Yeah, because uh, Santana in the the All Star game that's or in the Home Run Derby that's going to be fun. I mean, when was the last who was the last Indian to compete in the Home Run Derby? Was it Sizemore?
1: Yeah, it was Sizemore in 09. I think he got knocked out in the first round. And if you go back further than that, uh, it was Jim Tomey, And we were talking about the other day was was ninety nine in Colorado. So it's been
0: they've had a, they've
1: had it in like about an in increments of ten years. So I guess they were probably due. I don't know if Santana gets in if the Indians aren't the home team, but. He's not undeserving. I know there's, you know, Vlad's in it, and Vlad doesn't have that many home runs. But, you know, I think towards the end, you just don't get as many guys who are willing to do it. And Lindor said he wasn't going to do it, so he got Santana. And I guess in overall numbers, Santana's probably more deserving. I think it was just a a name recognition thing for Lindor. But I think Santana's deserving, and I'm excited for that. I just hope he... Uh, I So people always talk about this, about the the uh, home run derby's like messing up guys' swings. If you look at, there's an article on The Athletic. I forget who wrote it. I think Eno Saras or no, I'm sorry. It was, it was uh, MLB.com, Mike Petriello, who does their staff cat stuff. He wrote a, a story last week about the myth about how guys have worse second halves because of their swing getting messed up in the home run derby. I know some guys think it's possible, but overall it's it's kind of a bunk theory that has no real basis to it. I hope it doesn't happen to Santana, but again, that's really not a, a provable theory.
0: Well, yeah, we'll see how that uh, plays out. And uh, but in the meantime, I'm looking forward to seeing him compete. And in his home, home ballpark, it should be should be fun. And uh, I'm interested to see how Progressive Field plays in the home run derby because you know you got that uh, that big wall in left field and the home run porch, and then. Um, Center field is going to be a pretty long shot there. Of course, four hundred feet, and um, so it, sh- it should be fun, though. I'm I'm, I'm interested to see what the uh, what the right-handed hitters do uh, with that ninety-foot wall in the home run porch because I think that that should be fun to watch.
1: Yeah, I think Santana's hitting left hand, and Josh Bell's hitting left hand. The rest are either natural left-handers or uh, are right-handers. So it's going to be interesting.
0: So uh you mentioned Roberto Perez being deserving of an all star uh all star nod or at least some kind of consideration. I mean, you look at the numbers, sixty-one games, he's got fifteen home runs, thirty four RBIs, he's batting three thirty six on base, a five oh five slugging percentage, OPS over eight hundred. He's got a one sixteen weighted runs created plus and a uh F war of a one point six. Clearly I think he's a, among the top catchers in the, in all the major leagues this year if not the American League alone <clears throat> and you know I know that I know that uh they had already have a couple catchers on the, on the team but I think that Perez deserved some consideration as well and I'm surprised he didn't get a little more considering that the Indians are the home team for the All-Star game and you know usually the home team gets a bump in All-Stars uh so the fact that Perez didn't get more consideration to me was a little surprising, especially given the season he's having and how really he's bounced back. I mean, you remember last year? Last year was one of his was probably his worst offensive season in the majors, and this year he's really starting to put it all together and and taking that starting catching roll and run with it, both uh, behind the plate and at th- swinging the bat as well. So, uh, yeah, a little surprised
1: he didn't get more consideration. Yeah, I think it just came down to roster logistics. I think they. <clears throat> weren't going to take three catchers, which is unfortunate. But if they had, you'd like to think he would have been the third catcher. So I guess we'll see. Maybe yeah. maybe an injury pops up over the last week, and he gets in. You know, I guess it really depends on how things shake out. There's no
0: is there no final vote with the uh, new format?
1: Yeah, they, I don't think they've done the final vote in a few years, which really they shouldn't. I really I really didn't like that concept to be honest. And you know, you have guys figuring out they're going late. I know it would be nice to get an extra guy in there, but uh, I was not my favorite format, so this year was a brand new format, so that was really interesting, so maybe they'll bring that back if they get guys in a bubble like that again, but no, that, wasn't, uh, that was not uh, an option this year.
0: I It's so kind of a sidebar, uh, what do you think of the, part of this new format, you know, they have the players voting, and you saw, uh, I saw some people on Twitter talking about how um how some players got in who weren't deserving and I'm trying to think of exam of the specific examples they were they were talking about. Um Jose Abreu I think was one of them one of the examples of guys who got in who really shouldn't have because of the uh I think it was because of the players voting. Um anybody on the All Star rosters in general who stuck out to you who you thought maybe got there on name alone who maybe shouldn't have been there?
1: Um, I'm trying to think I don't, I'm not looking at the roster in front of me but just listening to the names I can't feel like there was anybody who I was really looking at like wow they, they definitely should not be in this game I don't think there's any names on there that I can think of that were just outright you know ridiculous not having great years I think I think the players do a pretty good job overall of getting players in as far as reserves so I can't think of anyone can you?
0: I mean, yeah, I just saw somebody on Twitter pointing at Jose Abreu. I mean, he's having a good year. Uh, 271 average, 20 homers. Uh, so,
1: maybe that was well, a little... Well, who, who would the White Sox representative be without him? That's the question. Because everyone, you know, every team's got to have a representative. Did the White Sox well,
0: they, have a representative? Well, they had uh, James McCann
1: as well. Hmm. Um. Yeah, maybe. But, you know what? The, fir- the first base options at, at, at the major league, or the at AL Warner Strong this year, I mean santana won it and then there was what cj crone and luke void it wasn't like there was a ton of guys just really vying for that position so i guess you can kind of make the argument that there just weren't a lot of deserving guys that so was easier to pick through a group like that
0: so yeah the, the catchers were uh, gary sanchez and uh james mccann and uh you know not that they weren't deserving mccann's having a pretty good year um uh, you know, Gary Sanchez, he has 24 home runs, uh, 57 RBIs, so I guess he's pretty deserving as well. And, but so yeah, I, I, I'm not making a case against either one of those guys. But if you were to have a third catcher, I would I would think that Perez would be the third guy you would go with. So, uh, but yeah, looking at the rosters overall, I mean, I was just trying to bring it up because it was something that was uh, people were talking about on Twitter. But in my opinion, looking at the rosters overall, I don't see anybody who jumps out to me as somebody who's, doesn't deserve to be there it's nice to see a lot of new names in there i mean you know there are guys like tommy lastella jorge polanco uh labor torres whit merrifield uh guys who are deserve some new faces and guys who are definitely deserving um so i think overall that this year's class of all-stars was uh was pretty good because a lot of, there's a lot of young players and hopefully uh this is a chance for uh, the game to showcase
1: its uh, future stars because it seems like there's a lot of those guys on the list. Yeah, it's unfortunate how many guys got hurt towards the end. Tommy Losella and and, uh, Brandon Lau can't make it because they both got hurt. That's a real bummer. Those guys were off to great starts this year, and Lau being a rookie and Losella uh, having a late season or late career breakout. It's a bummer those guys got hurt, but... It is fun to see new guys get in there. I think, you know, it, it proves the health of the sport, you know that there's not just the same guys making it every year and the, the, the rosters get younger every year. I feel like there's <coughs> there's younger and younger players in the All-Star game every year and that's fun because you can get their names out there to fans at a younger age and they can follow them a lot longer than having a bunch of 35-year-olds in there every year.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at at the list of some of these players. You got uh, like a, a David Dahl for the Rockies, Pete Alonzo for the Mets. Um, you know, Cody Bellinger's back on top again. Um, and then, <clears throat> yeah, Glaber Torres is another young, another young guy. Uh, Austin Meadows, Whit Merrifield, uh, as I mentioned before. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot There's a lot of younger players uh, working their way in. How about this nice feel-good story of Hunter Pence making it in as the Rangers' DH? Uh, nice to see him kind of bounce back and uh, get back onto the All-Star team when it looked like you know his career was on shaky ground left the Giants. Didn't know if he was ever going to be able to rebound, but he's had a pretty good year for the Rangers and getting rewarded for it.
1: Yeah, he got voted in by the fans. That was even the coolest thing. He went down to... Uh, Dominican Republic over, I believe, over the winter to redo his swing and came back really strong and at work. Unfortunately, he got hurt and he won't be able to play now, which is a real bummer because J.D. Martinez is replacing him. But uh, it's good that he got voted in. I think he's still going to go and he deserves it. He's one of the good guys in baseball. Everybody likes him. So that's definitely a great story.
0: That's definitely a great story. So um, uh, moving away from the All-Star discussion for a second here, I wanted to talk about... uh, some early Rookie of the Year previews because um, the Indians have a lot of young players up right now. And, you know, you would think that depending on how these guys play down the stretch, they might have at least one guy in consideration for Rookie of the Year contention. And right now, it seems like uh, the most likely candidate is Oscar Mercado, who after 41 games has four homers, 17 RBIs. He's stolen six bases while batting two ninety six with a .345 on base, four fifty one slugging percentage. He's got 108 weighted runs created plus and an 0.7 F4. So, you know, I don't think he's up at the top as far as rookies go right now. But if he has a good strong, strong second half, I would think... Uh, he would be up there for consideration. But, boy, it's great to see Mercado uh, doing so well since he came up, and uh, I think he he might see some rewards for it by season's end if he continues playing at this kind of
1: pace. Yeah, the second half's going to be a big determinate, determiner of where he ends up in that race. I think he's probably top five overall at the end. I mean, rookie class has been pretty good. you got Dino Vogelbach, Brandon Lau, Kevin Vigio, and... Uh, Michael Chavis are all having great years, and Eloy Jimenez, Vlad Guerrero is not doesn't have that great numbers, but he has the name values so that always ends up playing a role, you know, good or bad in in these votes. So you have to see what he does in the second half. But uh, I'm gonna, I'm going to bring this up. I brought this up to you off air. Oscar Mercado is not even the best rookie on the Indians, Jake. Do you know that? Yeah, and this is kind
0: of a – I don't want to say it's a trick question but because uh, it, it technically isn't, but uh, it's not somebody you would think of as far as who the best rookie is this year.
1: Yeah, so because he's never exhausted his rookie eligibility. Uh, Mike Freeman, who obviously has way less playing time than Mercado. Mercado's got uh, 182 plate appearances, and Mike Freeman only has 86, almost 100 plate appearance gap, yeah, but this ranks AL, all AL rookies. Uh, Mike Freeman has a 110 way-to-runs creative plus. Uh, does fall behind Mercado in uh version of war because of playing time and because, obviously, uh, Mercado is a better defender overall and plays a tougher position. But, yeah, Mike Freeman is fourth among AL rookies in way-to-runs creative plus. And uh, this is the most bats he's ever had in a season, despite the fact that he's 29. So maybe Mercado has some competition on his own team. Not really, but it was it was funny to look at because you were you were going to bring this up on the, uh, today on the show and I was just looking forward to see where the rookies were doing well and, and his name was on there and it kind of blew me away but he's been a nice little utility guy but yeah Mercado for sure I think is at least probably a top five finisher unless things just really have a, go south for him in the second half and
0: uh, it, it seems to me like the Indians have their center field position pretty solidified I mean I don't, I don't know unless they that Bradley Zimmer comes back and uh, they want to see what he can do and maybe maybe they move him to a corner. I don't know, but it, in my mind, I think that uh, Oscar Mercado is your future center fielder at least for the next couple of years, uh, uh, as long as he continues to play well, which I think he will. He's got the kind that kind of talent.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree, and, and he's on the field too. You can't really Zimmer seems to get hurt more in center field. I wonder if maybe in a corner he I don't know flies into the wall less. Or something
0: so that'll be good, so uh yeah, we'll see how Mercado plays in the second half, see if he gets into that uh, rookie of the year discussion, and I think I think he can, I think he's capable of it um so and then uh before we wrap things up today, the last thing I want to discuss was uh, uh Danny Salazar, we discussed this on the uh, Farm report podcast earlier this week, uh, but in Arizona, he began his live game rehab, his first live game pitching in o- almost two years. Uh, in the inning and two-thirds, he pitched in Arizona uh, for the Arizona uh, Indians Red Squad, I think it was. And uh, he pitched in the inning and two-thirds, allowed three hits, no walks, no runs, Struck out five and topped out at 93 miles an hour. And uh, the latest word on him is he will make another appearance in Arizona. And then if that goes well, doesn't have any setbacks, he could be in Akron as soon as next week. So uh, what is the expectation for Danny Salazar? And if he makes it all the way back to Cleveland without any setbacks, uh, what are, what reasonably can we expect from him? And is, it, is he somebody we can get excited about as far as uh, helping out the bullpen, because it seems like that's be the most likely spot where he's going to be helping out the Tribe uh, moving forward. Well, I guess
1: he's going to continue to stay stretched out as a starter, so that's interesting. Um, it makes the most sense, just given all the injuries they've had, and you can always just put him in the bullpen and let him have a couple of different innings, uh, or different, uh, different roles as far as multi-inning position, and uh, or you know things he can do in the bullpen, even though I don't really know if he can hold up in that role. But I'm uh, I'm interested to see if he can if he can stay healthy. I think he can help them regardless. It's just a matter of getting back to that point. I know things went really well from that rehab start. The thing is, the thing to watch is you know he doesn't have any options left. So when he gets back, he has 30 days um, on, on rehab. After 30 days is over, he has to be back on the roster. So. He's going to be back as long as he's healthy. It just depends on where.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, people might see that 93 miles per hour and be a little he- hesitant to uh, get excited about it. But uh, you know, considering that was his first outing in over almost two years, I think uh, that's he's in a good, pretty good spot now. We're going to watch, see what he, his velocity looks like uh, in a couple of outings, and see if he can he's able to uh, run that. Uh, Run at high heat, back up into the uh, upper mid to upper nineties again. But uh, so, uh, what will, what will be the reasonable expectation at this point for Salazar, for a guy who's been off the mount, off a of major league mound for almost two years, and uh, you know the Indians are paying him. I mean, not a lot of money in the grand scheme of things, but the, for a guy in his position, it, it's definitely a lot of money. So, uh, what are we what are we to expect from Salazar if he makes
1: it all the way back to Cleveland? That's a really tough question. I don't know. I mean, like I said, they're stretching him out as a starter, so I guess we'll see what happens when he finally gets here, if things stay healthy. I think the reports of 93 were a little bit off. I know some people said he's touched 96, so I think he'll be okay. It's also, like you said, his first outing. It's his first live outing since the playoffs in 2017. Isn't that crazy? I mean, it's, it's been an almost, almost two years since he's been on the mound against live hitters. So for him to come back and look like that, I guess, is good, even at that level, but... I, I don't know. Like I said, I, I don't really trust him in a relief role just because of his durability. And you know how can you how can you? Put, I know the has been carrying eight relievers all year, kind of negligently. But how can you trust a guy that has been hurt a lot the last two three years? And if you go back even further, he's had issues to be in your bullpen and pitch two days in a row. I don't think you can act like he's going to be able to pitch two days in a row, um, or even two out of three days. You know that's the tough part. With relievers, if they're in your bullpen, you need to be able to rely on them back-to-back days. I, I think that's why they're stretching out as a starter. Maybe they go with a six-man rotation. Maybe that helps them ease the workload of guys like Zach Plisak. I know they've been concerned about his pitch count. Even Trevor Bauer is just throwing a ton of pitches. So maybe maybe on a six-man rotation they can help him out, or he can get two innings one day and then an inning two days later. But it's going to be creative. they're going to be creative roster-wise if they want to keep on the roster um, as a reliever if you feel like you can't trust him to pitch two days in a row. But they've been carrying eight relievers all year, so maybe somebody goes and they keep carrying an eight-man bullpen and they just do it with him instead, so who knows.
0: Yeah, so uh, this next, you said that it's over this next month, uh, as long as he doesn't have any setbacks and has to be put back on the uh, injured list, um, that, that should be the timeline as far as when we'll expect Salazar back. So uh, potentially uh, sometime... Uh, early August, I would think, uh, if he's if they use the full uh, thirty days, which I don't know if if he's going to be in Akron at some point next week. I don't think he would use that a full thirty days, but uh, so we'll see. I would be early.
1: surprised they didn't. If they didn't, if they if they didn't use all thirty days, I'd be surprised to be honest, just because of where he, how far it's been for him to be back, and it's going to take him that long to make a decision, and it would be towards the end of July. So I think they're going to want all the time they can to decide on what he can do and where their roster is at that point. So if 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 it was less than 30 days, I'd be really surprised.
0: So let's look at it this way then. Um say they continue stretching him out as a starter, and this is like a, a this is this is a far fetched kind of hypothetical scenario because there's a lot of risks at play here. Say that Danny Salazar is continued to be stretched out as a starter. He makes it all the way through his rehab, he's looking very strong as a starter, he's ready to come back to Cleveland. It's a trade deadline. You're still possibly looking to trade Trevor Bauer would you consider trading Trevor Bauer if you know that Salazar was waiting in the wings and looking ready to uh, come back and slide back into the rotation?
1: I suppose, but again, it's the same thing as a uh, Kluber, Carrasco. You don't know what you're going to get on the rest of the year, especially Salazar with how he's been injured in the past. I don't think you can be like, oh, well, Salazar's back. He's going to be starting every 5th day for us the rest of the year. Because You know, it's pop up with him. So I probably wouldn't allow that to dictate whether or not they trade Trevor Bauer, but they may. But I really – I wouldn't wouldn't let that be a factor in why they do it. I don't think they really will, to be honest.
0: Okay. Well, I just want to throw that out there since it seemed like the timelines were kind of matching up there. And uh, you mentioned how the Indians might go with a six-man rotation because they're concerned about pitch counts for – Guys, like, please, that that kind of, I can understand. But let's be honest, Trevor Bauer is going to throw 127 pitches, whether there's a six-man rotation or not, because that's because he's Trevor Bauer. True. True. <laughs> anyway, so uh, uh, to wrap things up uh, today, I wanted to just kind of preview the uh, All-Star week for the Indians, because you know we got two games in Cincinnati. But other than that, you know it's All-Star week in Cleveland. I know you're going to be up there for the Futures game. Um, uh, what are you most looking forward to this week with the
1: festivities? Just because I love prospects, I've always you know, loved minor leagues a little bit more, or at least in the last 10 years or so since I started doing this. I'm really looking forward to the Futures game. Nolan Jones, Daniel Johnson. I'm excited for those guys to be coached by Jim Tomey. I mean, the AL dugout has Jim Tomey, um, Dave Berba, Charlie Manuel. I'm forgetting. There's somebody else in that dugout with them coaching. I think Omar is in that dugout with them. I mean, that dugout is loaded with guys who had great careers. So, it's going to be super cool to see these prospects. I know, And I know this happens every year, but, you know, that former players from that city wind up managing those teams. But, you know, you got a Hall of Famer in the dugout with a lot of these guys. You've got Shirley Emanuel, who has a you know a big hand in why you tell me he's a Hall of Famer. You've got Omar who who is kind of a borderline Hall of Famer, I guess, depending on who you talk to. Uh it's going to be a fun dugout to be a part of, and the other dugout's got some fun guys too, but I'm excited for that, and this I, I sounds weird too, I'm really excited for the celebrity softball game, Cleveland versus the world, I mean, we're, we're all Clevelanders, I think we enjoy that mantra, right, Cleveland versus the world, I know that roster's fun, I was looking at it the other day, Carlos Bayerga, Kenny Lofton, Jim Telme, Travis Hafner, um, are all on the Cleveland roster in the softball game? How are you going to How are you going to compete against that in a softball game? Those guys are going to hit balls out of the ballpark.
0: Yeah, and if I remember uh, when the Eastern League had the All Star game a few years back, uh, Travis Hafner played in that celebrity softball game as well, and he hit some bombs. If I remember right, as, then as well. So uh, if he's still in it in softball game shape, I would expect to see some uh, long fly balls in the. Uh, in that Celebrity Softball game, and uh, him and Jim me together, and, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be awesome to see. So, uh, yeah, I, I've, I was talking about the other day how I am never once really paid attention to the Celebrity Softball game in uh, during the All-Star festivities, but this year, I don't, you know, it might just be the uh, hometown bias, but this year it, it carries a lot of intrigue for me.
1: Yeah, it is, but it, it's going to be a lot of fun, and who doesn't love Cleveland versus the world?
0: <laughs> exactly, so uh, looking forward to that Looking forward to the All-Star game And the festivities uh, Not looking forward to getting around Cleveland Hope, I'm not going to be getting up there Really much, but anybody who has to Get around just for uh, just to do Business as usual up in Cleveland It's going to be a, probably a nightmare with all the uh, all star festivities going on, so uh, but it'll be fun regardless. It's great to have the All Star game back in Cleveland. It'll be fun to see how it all plays out. Hopefully some, they have some good weather too to be able to get all this all this fun stuff in. But uh, before we end the show, I just wanted to uh, send out a couple shout outs. First of all, I, I wanted to say on behalf of myself, Justin, and everybody here at uh, the Smoke Singles Network and IBI, we wanted to uh, send our uh, most heartfelt condolences uh, to Tyler Skaggs' family uh, who as we all know, passed away tragically this past week, uh, right in the midst of the peak of his career. You know, he had just started uh, a game last weekend, and then a couple of days later he was found unresponsive in his hotel room, so it was very sad. And, you know, the entire Angels family and the uh, baseball community has really embraced um, the Angels and everybody else. has been a tough time, so we want to send out our condolences to them. But, uh, and then on the letter side of things, I wanted to send a big congratulations to Robel Garcia, who uh, oh, after, <laughs> after, after how many – almost five years of being out of professional baseball uh, with the Indians – uh, he got gets signed by the Cubs, makes his Major League debut, and has a triple as his first Major League hit. Uh, Justin, I know you uh, had the chance to cover him in low A. Uh, what are your thoughts on him making the majors after all this time?
1: You know, he was such a forgettable player in Lake County, <clears throat> and here's, here's the fun fact. When the Indians, and they didn't cut him in 2013, but they sent him back to, he was in Lake County in 2012, I'm sorry, and they sent him back to Mahoning Valley in 2012. In the second half, the guy who replaced him on the Lake County Captains roster was Jose Ramirez. Which Ramirez went on to have a ridiculous second half with um, the Captains, and that was kind of his breakout. And everybody kind of got on the radar prospect-wise. And obviously, he was in Cleveland the next year. But yeah, Robel Garcia was just was very forgettable. He was kind of billed as a, a real a real prospect at the time. And he was super young. He was 19. <clears throat> and looking back, it was just like, I, I looked at him I'm like, this, this guy wasn't memorable at all. He didn't do anything worth talking about very often, other than guy, people just saying the organization, they really liked him. I know, but it's just so weird for them to have, looking back, looking back, they they cut him at age 20. Which, now you would be like, wow, I can't believe they're releasing a, a prospect at the age of 20 at such a young age to release someone you feel like is a decent prospect. And he had a good walk rate right down there, it's just with the bat and the the field, he didn't look like he was ever going to be anything special. So I I wasn't surprised when they released him. We thought, okay, that'll be it. He'll catch on. he will never be anything. But he went over to Italy. Like he didn't even get picked up stateside. Like he ended up going to Italy to play baseball. And the Cubs happened to see him uh, playing in an exhibition. So he really went from being really, really out of baseball stateside to this. So that's, it's cool, but like I said, he was he was pretty forgettable in Lake County, and that he made it all the way back, even though the Indians shouldn't have got rid of him. Maybe as young as they did, that's still pretty amazing.
0: How about the fact that uh, in the minor leagues for the Cubs, leading up to his call up, uh, he was batting two eighty five in seventy two games between AA and AAA. He had twenty one homers and fifty eight RBIs with a nine fifty eight OPS. So whatever he figured out in Italy, it's certainly. Uh, Seems like something clicked, and uh, the Cubs saw it, and uh, they're catching in on it right now. He's got a home run and a triple so far, along with an RBI and a couple of games so far for the Cubs, and he's one of the uh, one of the <clears throat> more uh, pleasant surprises and one of the more feel good stories of baseball this year. So, uh, congrats to him, and you know, it's it. I don't want to. S- anybody getting on the bandwagon of, oh, they cut him too soon. Maybe they did, you know, it's it, 20 years old, it's kind of young to uh, give up on a player, as you said, but this is not like a Jesus Aguilar or, or Yandy Diaz no. kind of situation. It's not even close. It's not...
1: No, his, case. his numbers in the minors didn't warrant <clears throat> anything for you to anybody to say, wow, they should have given this guy a better chance. Outside of his walk rate, there's nothing you can look at and say, wow, this guy deserved a longer chance, even though he was 20.
0: So, uh, yeah, really only age is the only thing you can point to as far as uh, giving up too soon on him. But uh, other than that, but so that's why we just want to say congratulations. And, uh, again, uh, all our deepest sympathies go out to uh, Tower Skaggs' family. It was really tragic to see uh, another young player in the prime of his career be taken from us too soon. You know, we all know what happened with uh, Jose Fernandez several years ago and how, how hard that was for the Marlins and uh, the entire baseball world, and uh, you know, Skaggs doesn't have the superstar, uh, superstar billing that uh, Fernandez had, but uh, he's seen the response from the community, especially from guys like Trevor Bauer, who and uh, <clears throat> Trevor Bauer and Patrick Corbin, who were on the Diamondbacks together, with them that came up together. Um, it seems like he touched a lot of. A lot of lives in uh, in the baseball world, so uh, we thank him for that, and uh, we wish him to rest in peace.
1: Yeah, definitely a tough situation, and, and you know, thoughts to his family. That really is tough to, to happen out of nowhere at 27. I, there's really nothing you can say that takes away the shock and the sadness of that situation. And it was it was nice to see the players with the outpouring. You can see how many people he impacted. On his time in baseball, so it's it's a really tough thing to talk about for for anybody, but especially for a 27-year-old who, like you said, was just starting to come into his own as a pitcher and just got married over the off season. So uh, nothing you can really say that makes that situation feel better for anybody and, and explain
0: things. All right, so yeah, we uh, definitely wish them all the best. And uh, all right, so these uh. Last couple games heading into the All Star break for the Indians. We got the, of course, against the Reds, uh, who, you know, are not terrible, but are also not great. Forty one and forty four. Um, you got Bieber versus DiScalafani coming up on uh, Saturday, and then uh, Bauer versus uh, Molly and coming up on uh, Sunday. So. Uh, the question is, uh, what? How do you think these games are going to go? Because I feel like you know, you should, you can say that the Indians can win these games pretty easily, but uh, the Reds are one of those teams that they can play anybody tough. So uh, who's to say that uh, it couldn't just as easily go the other way? So uh, what are your thoughts?
1: Hopefully, in the last time they played the Reds, it was kind of a an odd situation too. I know they had a couple of weird games in there, so hopefully it's a little better. They really need to go into the break up a high note and. <laughs> see if they can maybe cut down the division leads a little bit further going into the break, but I definitely don't want these last two games for the break to uh, be ones they drop, especially how they rebounded against Kansas City. I think that Baltimore series could have caused them to take a bit of a tailspin before the break, and they didn't let it, so hopefully that series uh, continues their rebound from Kansas City and, going to be some good pitching matchups. That's a tough team, and that's a tough ballpark to play in. You know, there's a lot of offense going on there, so they better bring their, bra- uh, bring their bat to Cincinnati.
0: Exactly, and uh, hopefully with Bieber and Bauer on the mound, you'll get some good pitching, but yeah, it's always a hitter's paradise at Great American Ballpark, especially now you got the heat of the summer, a lot of humidity. Those balls are going to be flying most likely, so uh, that's uh, going to be a fun series to watch, and then we head into the All-Star break. So, uh, Justin, uh, before we to go... Watch-
1: we go got to watch Trevor Bauer bat this weekend.
0: Oh, that's right. Who's he going to
1: imitate this week? <laughs> I don't know. He didn't do it the last time, but watching Trevor Bauer bat is always uh, an experience.
0: It definitely is, so we'll be watching for that. Uh, before we go, Justin, do you have anything you want to plug?
1: Uh, let's see. Oh, boy, it's going to be a long weekend. Since we're recording here on a Friday, and we're not going to talk again until next 30, Thursday. So, hmm, I'll still have... Sunday, I'll still have the. Or I'm sorry, Monday, I'll call three up, three down. I'll have some notes from Bowling Valley from last week. I'll have some notes from Akron last night. Um, I'm going to have a piece tomorrow on Nolan Jones and Kai Tom. I talked to both of them over the weekend. Uh, in the coming weeks, I'll have some stuff on Jordan Stevens, who the Indians picked up off waivers, from the White Sox uh, is a really intriguing arm who's kind of having some making some improvements here in Akron, the way Kyle Dowdy did last year. For those who followed that story. Uh, even though he's gone now in in Texas for some odd reason. Uh, But Jordan Stevens is kind of enjoying a little bit of improvement the way Kyle Dowdy did. Saw some stuff on him as well uh, in the coming weeks.
0: I'm looking forward to that. I haven't really got... I saw Stevens' name on the roster. I wasn't familiar with where the Indians had picked him up from. But I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what he's bringing to the table, digging deeper into his numbers, because uh, I'm always intrigued by picking up uh, guys who... Other organizations seem to undervalue. That's one thing the Indians have done really well under the Chris Antonetti, uh, Mike Chernoff era is they've been done really well identifying talent in other organizations and picking them up for uh, far less than what their value ends up being. So uh, you know we saw that with guys like Mike Clevenger, um, you know Corey Kluber, um, so many so many names. you could mention as far as that's concerned. So uh, maybe Stevens can be the next in that uh, line. So looking forward to that. As far as as far as my plugs, you got uh, the Farm Report podcast. Checked it out with me and Corey. We talked a lot about uh, the futures game last the last week, and also a lot about the uh, the pitching talent that the Indians have. They're really starting to stack up some starting pitching depth, and uh, I'm really intrigued by it, and I've went into detail about why I think the Indians are in a good position to rebuild their rotation in the post-Cory Kluber, Trevor Bauer era, so give that a listen from this week. Um, uh, then I'm also going to be working on the Diamonds in the Rough. I'm going to start that. I'm going to have try to have one of those this weekend, hopefully, and... Uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, the most, the more underrated prospects in the organization, for those who are not familiar with the Diamonds in the Rough series, we go into detail about them and uh, give uh, detailed background similar to what we did with the uh, prospect countdown for those who followed that. So uh, keep an eye out for that and then Four Thoughts as well. Um, my regular IBI uh, minor league column I'm talking about the latest news and storylines from the past week in the farm system. So uh, keep an eye out for that as well. Um, other than that, though, be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jake D Baseball. Justin's at J L underscore Baseball. You can uh, follow the show account at Smoke Signals IBI on Twitter, as well as the site account at Official underscore IBI. Get all the links, get all the show notes, get all the breaking news uh, at either one of those places. So you can tweet at us well with any as well with any kind of prospects or Indians questions, and we happen to talk baseball uh, whenever. So uh, give us a holler on there. Uh, other than that. Justin, uh, any final thoughts?
1: No, I hope everybody gets a chance to, if they can't, you know, go down, maybe go down to Cleveland and enjoy some of the festivities, soak in the atmosphere. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to be down there Saturday, Sunday, and Tuesday, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, But, yeah, anybody who gets a chance to go down there or gets to watch it on TV, just enjoy it, you know, and and I hope anybody down there behaves (laughs) and shows that... Shows that Cleveland is a great place to come for major events. We've been getting a lot of events the last, you know, three years or so, and I'm really excited for it. And I hope everybody else is too, and I hope everybody else enjoys it. In addition to enjoying, you know, the holiday weekend, it's great for the All-Star Game to be coming up right after July 4th. That makes us, you know, a nice, fun 10 days. Absolutely, and a good note to end the show
0: on. So. Uh... Until next time for uh, Justin Lada and the Smoke Signals Podcast, I'm Jake Dungan, and we say to you, have a good one. For questions and comments, you can email us at smoke signals at IndiansBaseballInsider.com. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Smoke Signals IBI, where you can find links to all our shows, as well as poll questions and other cool podcast stuff. Thanks again for listening. you <laughs>